Hello, and welcome to Pandemic Mama, the podcast that brings you honest conversations about having a baby during COVID-19 times. I'm Irina Gonzalez, a journalist, new mom, and your host. This is episode 13, and today I'm talking with Hannah Howard. She is a new mom, food writer, and the author of the memoir, Feast. We're going to get into all kinds of things, from her emergency C-section to how she dealt with breastfeeding issues after a breast reduction, plus experiencing FOMO and getting more sleep. So stay tuned after the break. But first, if you want to connect with fellow parents going through the craziness of having a baby in 2020 and into 2021, please join the Pandemic Mama Podcast Facebook group by searching for Pandemic Mama Podcast or heading to facebook.com slash groups slash Pandemic Mama Pod. Thanks. Today, I'm here with Hannah Howard. She is a new mom, food writer, and the author of Feast, a memoir. Hi, Hannah. Thanks for being here. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much, um, well, for reaching out and telling me how much you love the podcast. And I'm so excited to have you on here and to hear about your journey. Absolutely. I think one of the weird pandemic mama situations is just the loneliness. So getting to listen to your story and the stories of the other new or, or new or not new moms and on the podcast it was just so nice to, to get to feel like we're not alone. Oh, I'm so glad because that was definitely pretty much the whole reason why I started this in the first place. And I'm excited to hear your story. So um, why don't we start with me asking you where exactly you were when the pandemic started? In your pregnancy. Sorry about that. Yeah. So I was about somewhere like 36 weeks when the pandemic was announced to be a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, So nearing the end and my husband and I and our puppy live in Brooklyn and we were just pretty much at the epicenter of the pandemic in the initial days. And I was actually out to, to lunch with my editor, which was like the last, it was the last normal restaurant meal. It was already a little empty and we we had just been emailing whether or not it was a good decision and decided it was okay. And um, (laughs) yeah, so we had this lovely lunch, we were chatting. And then it was that point in the lunch where everyone like pauses and looks at their phone when we had finished. And she just got a note that her office was closing and I got a text from my husband that his office was closing and all these New York Times alerts. And we just kind of looked at each other and it, it was starting to sink in like, wow, um, this is definitely real. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine being like literally in the middle of lunch and just getting all of those alerts. Right. So we were both kind of trying to rearrange our days and we went home. And then I think I had a a midwife appointment. I had, so I had switched halfway through my pregnancy from seeing, um, seeing an OB to seeing a midwife and they still Mm. delivered in a hospital, in a hospital and everything. But I just liked the sort of, uh, philosophy and the, the, the warm touch, um, of the, of the care from the midwife and the office was in walking distance. And I think it was the next day I had, my appointment and I was going every week at that point. One, the first week she reassured me that 
you know, labor and delivery was kind of a sacred space. And we could still, we had planned to have a doula, we could still have our doula, it was still going to be, you know, what we had sort of signed up for. And then within the next week, we started to get the news that um, the hospital that I was planning on delivering in was one of the hospitals that had just announced that laboring people were no longer allowed to have anyone with them, including their Uh, partners. And that uh, was when I personally freaked out. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Just like hearing, hearing that news must've been so absolutely devastating. It was devastating. And I think part of this sort of loss of, of, but all you know for everyone in this pandemic like all of our plans and and all of the things we envisioned um and i it was so excited to to just you know i had been make we you know we were planning where we were going to get some maybe some delicious sushi cuz i wasn't eating sushi like delivered to the hospital and all these things and we decided then my parents live in new jersey and mm-hmm. we we thought that if we could find a place in new jersey that would be a better plan. But we called so many doctors and hospitals and midwives. And first of all, people usually don't want to take a new patient at 36 weeks. Yeah. 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 And then they especially don't want to take a new patient like from New York city in the Mm. beginning of the pandemic. So we just got like, no, no, no. And finally, my mom um, goes to a family practice and she calls her doctor and just like begged her. <laughs> and wow. this doctor said yes. And so uh, we packed up all of our stuff and the baby stuff into my dad. My dad came to pick us up. We like threw everything in his car. Um, we hadn't even finished setting up the nursery yet. We, we kind of try, we together, we, we put them, my dad to work, like building, finishing up building the Ikea dresser <laughs> on it, mm-hmm. threw everything in the car and like re and moved, moved to New Jersey. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And this was, by that time it was like, I was maybe 37 and a half weeks or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. So you moved in with your parents, essentially. We moved in with my parents we kept thinking we were going to stay for a few weeks, you know, maybe a few weeks after the baby was born. And mm-hmm. we ended up staying like throughout the summer. Wow. Yeah. It was so not what we had planned. It was definitely full of silver linings. It was amazing to have the help, um, mm-hmm. extra sets of hands. And they were so thrilled to get to spend, I'm an only child and this is their first granddaughter. Oh yeah. And so they loved like getting to be a part of her early days and, and just in terms of like never having had a baby before, or I didn't realize how all consuming and relentless it was and having help just like walking our dog or like doing laundry really was fantastic. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, all of those things I would have loved to have some help with. It's, it's so true. And I'm, I'm glad you were able to have that help, but um, I, I'd love to hear about how the actual birth experience went after you did the big move. Yeah. So it was part of it. You know, I had spent so much time thinking we had taken a birthing class and mm-hmm. I really put a lot of thought into how was this birthing experience going to be kind of what I, you know, the best I knew, I know that there was so many unknowns for any birth, but I really 
put a lot of thought into it. And then in this scramble, uh, you know, we didn't know the doctor, we didn't know the hospital, we didn't know anything. Um, I feel like we did get incredibly lucky in, in that way, just that we had, I felt at every moment, like I was in really good hands and taken good care of. Mm. Um, we gave birth at the Hunterdon, I gave birth at the Hunterdon Medical Center, which is just such a different vibe than a hospital in Brooklyn because, <laughs> yeah, like I think, some, I think they deliver like, I could be a little bit off, but maybe like eight or 10 babies in a, in a day in this hospital in Brooklyn. Whereas in New Jersey, it's like one baby a day and it's <laughs> big. And, and in Brooklyn, you have to pay for your, if you would like a private room, maybe that starts at around $500 a night. And in New Jersey, all the rooms are private rooms. Mm. So there's mm-hmm. some, some perks. I Let's see, my, my waters broke at in the middle of the night in the, in a sort of dramatic fashion that I thought only happened in the movies. <laughs> yeah. And then I started having contractions pretty immediately thereafter. Mm-hmm. And they were pretty intense and painful from the beginning. And I wanted to make it like, I, for some reason I had it in my head that we should make it to the morning before we went to the hospital. But at around three, 3 a.m., I just couldn't, like, it was, the pain was out of control. And I thought, let's let's do it. So we we went to the hospital. They also kept changing, like, the entrance and the protocols since it was the early days of the virus. And Mm -hmm. we had some trouble, like, the doors were locked. We couldn't get in. Um, Eventually, they let us in. There was a lot of, um, I had taken a test and tested negative a week before mm-hmm. uh, my husband hadn't and they, they would come check his temperature like every hour and we weren't allowed to leave the room and we had to wear our masks, of course, which mm-hmm. was difficult for me in labor because I was doing a lot of throwing up and it oh, was, no. yeah, it was quite unpleasant. Yeah. Um, and let's see. So I had really wanted to have an unmedicated birth. Mm-hmm. And it did not go down that way at all. Um, <laughs> Same, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think get, for me, getting an epidural was a really good decision. Um, mm-hmm. It was just, it was the, a combination between the pain and the exhaustion. Because mm-hmm. I've just been like laboring all night and then the morning came and it was just like, you know, if I, I think if I had some finish line, like if they knew that it would have been over in an hour or so, I could have powered through but of course you have no they have no idea it could be an hour mm-hmm. be 10 hours and I needed some rest so that was a really good decision just so we could like get some shut eye my husband and I like lay down and that was really nice and then I was a little bit slow dilating so they started pitocin and mm-hmm. it seemed to be working and I was becoming more and more dilated and the baby seemed to be responding okay to it and labor was progressing. And it was right about the time that I was supposed to start to push um, when let's see, there was like a nurse checking things out by my, by the side of my hospital bed. And then all of a sudden there was two nurses and then there were like 10 people and there was, they were shifting me from side to side and, apparently the baby's heart rate dropped like really significantly, really suddenly. 
Oh. So then it was also very cinematic. Like all of a sudden I was being wheel, like run to the operating room and mm. we had to have an emergency C-section mm-hmm. and it was really terrifying. Um, just so like, like everything was fine. And then all of a sudden everything wasn't fine. Mm. And there was the scariest moment for me was when one of the doctors turned to me and everyone was kind of like moving a lot. Like they were preparing me for surgery and like shaving me and putting things in different places. And she just like paused and looked at me in this like very serious sort of way and said very slowly, I'm so sorry. And I thought that something really terrible had happened. And then she said, I know you didn't want to have a C-section. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, So And then, you know, she, our baby Simone was born and they had no idea what happened. She was very healthy. Um, She was great. I'm so grateful that my husband got to be with me in the hospital as I recovered. Mm -hmm. I know a a friend of ours who had a similar story and had an emergency C-section in a hospital in New York a few weeks later. Her partner was allowed to be there, but then had to leave right after. So it was nice that he could stay. Um, and because of the virus too, they were trying to keep the hospital visits very short. So we were there for maybe 24 more hours. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think usually C-section people will stay for a little bit longer, but we went home and I think I'll be, I mean, we definitely had like challenges and, Simone wasn't gaining weight as fast as they wanted her to and challenges breastfeeding challenges sleeping, but in general, she was healthy and I recovered pretty well from the surgery and we started our little bubble of isolated postpartum life. Wow. I mean, I don't even know how to react. Like that's such a crazy story to, you know, to go into labor pretty naturally and for everything to be going well. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get this, this news that, that you have to have an emergency C-section, which, yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody wants, right? Like that, that was definitely my biggest fear is like just going through and having, having to do that. So how did it feel emotionally? Um, Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's so many hormones and everything flowing through us the first few weeks and months of the postpartum life. But how, how was it dealing with just the fact that you had to have this big change that, you know, obviously going from wanting an unmedicated birth to ending up with an emergency C-section must have been, you know, I don't know, was it a little stressful or or were you kind of like at peace right away with the fact that it happened that way because Simone was healthy? How'd you feel? Yeah, I was definitely not at peace with it right away. It was a lot. And I think you're right, like that huge change in what I had planned versus what came to be with and on top of that, not even being like in our home where we had planned to be, not being with our doula that we planned to have, like everything that we planned mm-hmm. changed. So it was interesting to trying to sort of separate like what is the what is the birth experience and what is the pandemic experience since they happen yeah. at the same time. Um, yeah, and I was I was really bummed about the C section. I like, I remember. Um, looking in the mirror and just like seeing the, the incision scar and just being like, I don't like, this is not what I wanted. Um, and I did feel like, I know that there's nothing that I did. It was just a thing that happened, but 
I, you know, I, I think I felt a little bit like I had somehow failed or, you know, I didn't um, get to have this experience that I really wanted to have. And I do feel like still almost eight months later, a little bit of lingering sadness about that. Mm-hmm. I, c- I can't imagine how difficult it must have been, but it- it's hard. I mean, I think a lot of us going through this, especially in the pandemic, there it-, it is so much of what you said about not knowing what of our which of our feelings right now are just you know postpartum hormones and just being a new mom and adjusting to that, and ha- which of our feelings are just kind of like related to the pandemic, right? It's so hard to differentiate the two. And right. the thing I think about a lot is that we can never really know because especially for those of us who became mothers during the pandemic, like there's just no way to differentiate this experience. And it's, it's so crazy to think that like so many of us have like gone through this major transformation in our lives during a pandemic. And it's just, all of it is tied up, right? Like all of it is together and it's so confusing in some ways. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, right. It's hard to, to, they're so interwoven. It is really hard to know what's one thing and what's the other thing. And mm-hmm. right. And and when I have been feeling like some some loneliness, some grief, some sadness, right? Is that like is that a postpartum thing or is that a pandemic thing? And I guess <laughs> for us, it's just going to be both because right, those are both of our realities right now. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit more actually about going back to your recovery and like the first few months. Um, of the baby's life. Like, how was that? I know you mentioned that she wasn't gaining weight and everything. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. So I had, I'm 33. I had breast reduction surgery when I was 17. So mm-hmm. a long time ago, but I, there is a chance, there was a chance that I wouldn't be able to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. I tried to do like a lot of, it was interesting. I tried to do a lot of research before and I couldn't get very good answers. Mm-hmm. Weird, and I asked my mom too because she remembered better than I did what the surgeon had said at the time, and mm-hmm. she felt like he was pretty confident that I could breastfeed, but that you know he couldn't promise it because they can't promise things, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, so I felt very like going into this, and everyone would say, "Are you planning to breastfeed?" And I would say, "Yeah, I would like to, but I don't know because of." the surgery, um, mm-hmm. we'll see. And I felt pretty relaxed about it. And then once Simone was born, I didn't feel relaxed about it at all. Like it's, it, it felt very consuming. And, um, I, I, I think the, the sort of breastfeeding was so much of those early days because I, I, I had one of those baby apps on my phone and I would track like, left Mm -hmm. side, right side, and it would tell it. And there were days that I spent like 13 hours breastfeeding or, you know, it was just so much. And, um, and then to do that, you know, to, to be spending 13 hours of your day like that. And then for the doctor to tell you she's not gaining enough weight just felt devastating. Like Mm -hmm. what's wrong with my body? What, you know, what's going on here? And I think because of the ban- pandemic too, it was hard for, we couldn't see a lactation consultant in person or anything. So that was hard. And we just kept like, we basically just kept trying. Um, so that was a challenge. And then for me, the other challenge, I, it's something about like the fact that the newborn babies, they, they told us in the hospital that they're supposed to eat every three hours and that the mm-hmm. clock starts when they begin eating. 
And like, Mm. it's just not, you know, so that would often take an hour that leaves two hours for sleep. Like that, that is torture. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Especially I'm just someone who really needs my sleep. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So the whole exhaustion was just excruciating for me. Mm. Um, There was some, I think about in the really early days, there was like enough adrenaline and excitement, but maybe by about like two weeks, I felt like I was just starting to (laughs) crumble. And Mm -hmm. I think there was a moment where like I was sobbing and my baby was sobbing and my husband like walked into the room where he was, where we were. And he was like, okay, this is not working out. Like we have to change something. The thing that we changed that I think saved my sanity was that he started doing the night shift. So somewhere around 10 o'clock, I would just hand him the baby go to sleep, which was like so blissful to not have to set the <laughs> alarm for two hours later. Mm-hmm. And um, he would look after the baby and feed her um, some express milk. And we started to supplement with formula. And then, which I had mixed feelings about, but was such a good decision because my sleep and my sanity was so much more important. And then sometime early in the morning, like early, early in the morning, we would switch and he would go to bed and I would take a look after the baby. So just to get like a chunk of uninterrupted sleep really made everything so much better. And then the other thing that made things so much better is I'm a, I'm a freelancer. I'm a writer, so I don't have any maternity leave and I mm-hmm. have work to do. And very fortunately, my husband, um, he doesn't, he actually has a new job now, but he was working for Bloomberg and they have really fantastic parental leave. So he had six months of leave. Wow. Yeah. Which is, I feel like unheard of almost. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm like, I'm in shock. Six months. That's incredible. Yeah. So he really did like the majority of the, well, I don't know if he did the majority, but he did a lot. <laughs> a lot. I, I know. I was going to say, I mean, you're still feeding the baby most of the time. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, but it was so, and I think that like, w- that's what let him like, he could go to sleep at like five in the morning and then sleep till like 11 AM because mm, he right. could be at work at a certain time. Right. Yeah. That definitely helped. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we had so that I kept thinking, I just keep thinking too that we have so many things like going for us. We had my parents, we had his amazing leave and like amazing health insurance and such a great support system. And even with all that, it was so hard. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much with you. Like, my husband had a month off and we, we have great health insurance because of him. And, you know, I actually, I freelance, but I, um, I, I also work part-time as an editor. And so I had leave because of that job. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, and even then it's, it's tough. It's all really tough. Um, especially going through, you know, April and May when things were shut down and you like couldn't go anywhere, you couldn't do anything. Um, and maybe you wouldn't have wanted to, right? Like I think about that a lot. Like maybe I wouldn't have wanted to go out with the baby when they were, you know, a month old, but the fact that we didn't have that option and we just like had to be locked in the house and we're reading the news and it's all crazy and stressful. Like that really added a lot, I think emotionally to the whole situation. Yeah. I remember just like breastfeeding and just scrolling the New York times, like the numbers Mm -hmm. of the virus cases. And yeah, that's, 
it, yeah, it's really stressful. And I, for me too, there was, uh, my parents live by the Delaware river and they live near this, um, amazing path like it's called the dnr canal path and it's Mm -hmm. 30 mile is a state park and it's just like a beautiful path right by their house and that was my little like daily ritual that felt like sanity like i would just have a walk and i did it when i was pregnant when we we moved there the few weeks before simone came and then afterwards originally like that was kind of the only time that we could be sure that she would sleep i would strap her to me and just like And then they ended up closing the state parks for the virus. Uh, And that was like that for some reason, that moment I was like, no, like that's the one, like it felt really safe. It felt really mm -hmm. lovely. And it's like, Oh, I can't even do that. Like that kind of um, hit me really hard. Mm -hmm. There again, like I'm also definitely a person who has FOMO. And so, right. I think under normal non pandemic circumstances, I might've felt being stuck at home with a baby, like I was missing out. And I didn't feel that way because we weren't missing out on anything. Right. <laughs> That's true. That's true. There's not anything to do. So. Right. so so actually, since you mentioned FOMO, how was it? Um, did you feel like you were missing out on any experiences that you were hoping to have when the baby came because of the pandemic? Yeah. I mean, the biggest one is that my husband is British and his parents, so his whole family live in England and mm. his parents were going to come out and like maybe a few weeks after the baby was born and spend, you know, they're retired so they could spend like a significant chunk of time here, you know, maybe a few weeks mm-hmm. or a month and hang out with the baby. That was like our big um, thing that didn't get to happen and they still haven't met our baby and neither mm. has, you know, Tony's siblings. I think that's just a big one, like having people meet the baby. And I had all mm-hmm. these ideas about like, I love our neighborhood and there's, you know, there were things I wanted to do. Like there's a, a movie theater called the Nighthawk. That's really fun. Mm-hmm. Have um, baby fr- They had baby friendly afternoon showings. And I, I you know, I was like, Oh, we're going to go, we're going to go there. And just all the places I was going to take her and, um yeah, lots of things that I feel like I missed out on. I also am kind of bummed we didn't get to have the doulas there with us. Um for yeah. there was a, it was a team of two doulas and I just really liked them and they were offering virtual services, but like it didn't feel the same. And yeah. um, I think I didn't even realize how I mean I've always been someone who gets like a lot a lot out of being with people, but it was just something, I guess, like a lot of us, I took for granted until before that part of my life and all of our lives became impossible. So I think just like having friends come by and having a coffee with someone, having a walk with someone like that, that just feels like it would make the long, hazy days with a baby feel so much richer and I do feel mm-hmm. that that I missed out on that yeah yeah I I mean I can definitely relate it's you know it's still kind of like that right especially now um well I mean I'm in Florida so things are actually bad here in terms of the pandemic but the weather has gotten a little better so I can actually go outside a little more now because the summer was just like impossible it was too hot but um I imagine it's it's 
kind of the opposite there in terms of like, now you really can't see people because maybe, you know, I don't know if you had been, but I know others who were able to like meet in parks and stuff like that during the summer. And now that it's getting colder, that's like not really an option anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think that has been a huge thing and it's started to feel like a little more normal-ish. I had right, just a few friends with and without babies that I have been able to have an outdoor an outdoor meal with or a walk with. Um, mm-hmm. And those times have felt so nice. <laughs> and yeah, mm-hmm. I am a little bit worried with the winter coming. I don't know. I don't think that's going to be so possible. Although I'm, you know, I, I like it so much that I'm just, we, we've got Simone some like really serious, cozy outfits and (laughs) lots of layers like we'll just have to get really really bundled up and Mm -hmm. do it because it really for me is the difference between a day feeling like good or really really hard yeah um so do you think walks outside and that kind of thing have been an important part of your self-care since having the baby yeah, they've been huge. Just like getting outside. I mean, I'm just someone anyway who has some spilkies. And for me, like working from home always meant like working from a lot of different coffee shops and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And that's not really the case anymore. But I think just being able to go have a walk has really, uh, yeah, the, a little fresh air, a little stretching my legs, like it really, really helps me. So I, I hope to be able to continue that as long as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, pending a, a snowstorm, um, hopefully you can still get outside in the winter. I actually heard someone um, or I read something online about how we should take advice. I think it was from the, from the finish because they keep getting outside all winter long. They're just like, let's just layer up and keep doing it. So I, I thought that was good advice for those of us who are, you know, in cold weather to just yeah. kind of put on some layers and keep doing it. I'll channel my inner Finnish person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me, okay. So the first few months, obviously were hard. So when do you think it started to get better with the baby or for you emotionally? Like, did you feel, um, I don't know, like how were, how was your postpartum, I guess, mood is what I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been like, it's been full of highs and lows for me, that sleep stuff, Mm. big emotional, positive impact. So the first that first step of like just getting that chunk in and then it's gotten even, but even that's like, you know, six hours of sleep isn't really enough for me (laughs) (laughs) when it's better than two. But um, yeah. Yeah. So as Simone has started to sleep better and like knock on wood, she's been sleeping beautifully through the night. That's been huge for me Mm -hmm. Um, just to be able to know that around seven o'clock, like she's going to sleep. And I, that's really nice to have like a little grown up time to have dinner and have a glass of wine and unwind from the day a little bit. So um, that's been really good. Yeah. I think it's been like, there's definitely been so many highs and lows. Like I really have enjoyed being her mom. I feel like more and more as she's, growing up, like it's just exciting to see her little personality start to come out. Mm-hmm. Exciting to see her start to like explore the world. And all of a sudden she's crawling all over the place. And 
um, just, it's just so like sweet and, and fun to be a part of that. I think like still lows of just so many, the world being such a different place and trying to navigate that and like not necessarily, I, I also did a lot of travel for, um, for work and for pleasure in my former life and <laughs> not knowing when that's going to be back and just, mm-hmm. um, just a lot of sort of like weird, I guess being in a feeling like in a little bit of a limbo. Yeah. That's, that's funny what you say about travel. Cause that, that was definitely part of my experience too, is, you know, I would travel for work or I would travel with my husband. Um, and yeah, now it's like, I don't know when we're going to travel. Like we had definitely hoped to travel with the baby early on. And now I'm just like, Oh God, he's not going to get on a plane until he's like two years old or something. And he's not going to know what's up. Whereas like, I don't know, maybe if you'd flown earlier, it'd be fine. But yeah, it's it's crazy to think about all these changes that have happened, um, you know, because of the pandemic. And some of them might have happened because of just parenting, but it's it's a lot. Yeah, or like, I, you know, I've had other questions too about, especially in those early days, like, is my baby going to think there's only four people that exist in the whole world? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But... I like to think that babies are very adaptable and um, I don't know (laughs) who knows. No, I I definitely think so too. Um, My, my actual recent worry has been like, will he ever understand that he's not the only baby out there? Cause I was thinking about it. I was like, Oh my God, like my baby has not literally seen another baby. Like, you know, I've like you, I I've had a few outdoor brunches and stuff with friends. Um, But you know, none of them have like brought, none of them have, have babies. And so none of them have brought older kids. And I'm just like, Oh my God, he probably thinks like there's all these big, big people taking care of me and having fun with me. And then I'm the only like little, little (laughs) tiny human and there's no other tiny humans out there. So it will be fascinating to see how he reacts when he does eventually meet another tiny human yeah i know i know i'll have to like video it and be like oh my god you're like a year old and you finally saw another human or maybe not even a year old because that's not that far away now so we have some pretty close friends who had their baby two weeks after us oh that's great yeah it's been really nice to get to have someone sort of in the same place on their journey and Mm -hmm. we had this was like the first social thing we did and we had both quarantined before and everything and mm-hmm. we um, went to see them in a Airbnb in upstate New York for like a long weekend. And that was the first, I think the, the babies might've been around four months old. And that was the first time they had met another baby. And I have to say they were like pretty indifferent. <laughs> like they did. A <laughs> that was about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I guess, I guess I've, you know, to be honest, like I've heard that from other friends too, that like they don't, they don't really care. Like they don't necessarily want to play with other babies. Like they don't understand the whole like socializing thing that definitely a toddler would, you know, want to do. They're just kind of like, Oh, okay, whatever. I'm going to go back to my own toy now or exactly. you know, my mom. So <laughs> that's good to know though. I guess that's comforting. Yeah. Cause we were both like, what's going to happen? Are they going to be shocked? And it's like, nah, they're not too, they're not too <laughs> concerned one way or another. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, so how was the summer? Because you said you you were still living at your parents' place and they were able to help out and everything. So how how was that? And then how was the transition going back? I assume you went back to your Brooklyn apartment. Yes. So I feel like we were kind of lucky. We did. We I think we first spent like 
a weekend in Brooklyn. <laughs> and I was kind of nervous just to see how uh, the city was going to be, how our neighborhood was going to be, how life like on our own in our little family was going to be. And mm-hmm. I was very pleasantly surprised. The neighborhood is amazing. Like it was anyway over the summer with open, um, like a lot of streets open for pedestrians only. And there was music outside and um, it had almost like a European feel without the outdoor dining. So that was like a pleasant surprise. And then, yeah, it was nice to be back in our home in our comfy bed um, to bring our baby back into like the life that we sort of had before. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, and it was nice to kind of be able to go back. We, we went back and forth um, and we, we're still doing that like mm-hmm. once in a while. So it's, it's nice. I think we kind of have the best of both worlds and I feel enormously lucky. But it's also like, even though I, I do actually, the first time we went um, trying to, and at that point we were still like bringing along her little bassinet. Now we have one in, we have a crib there and one here, but, mm-hmm. you know, packing up all of her stuff and the dog stuff and she was crying and our dog gets carsick and he threw up all over me and oh. we were stuck in traffic and poor Simone, like, I don't know what was wrong, but she was very upset. and. Um, I was like, this is not, <laughs> this is not fun. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even something we're, we're about an hour and a half away. So it doesn't, it, it felt like, you know, even these little things felt like such a big deal now mm-hmm. with the baby. And I think that's, we're still kind of adjusting to that and learning mm-hmm. how, how to be parents. <laughs> how do you think your transition to parenthood has been, um, you know, considering, all the craziness of when it started and then, um, you know, the pandemic and just, you know, all, the, all those adjustments. How do you think you've, how do you think you're doing? I have to say, I think it's going better than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. I can be a pretty anxious person mm-hmm. and I just assumed that that anxiety would transition itself to being anxious about my baby. Mm-hmm. but I haven't felt, I mean, I've had moments, but in general, I felt pretty like calm and happy about her. Um, I definitely had those like early when she was first born, like kept looking in her bassinet and making sure she was breathing and everything. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Maybe part of that too, part of that like emotional adjustment is just a little bit more confidence that like we, she's, she's stayed alive so far. So like, okay. mm-hmm. um, but I, I've been enjoying it. Like I, I do, um, I've been enjoying it and it's, and also fine. I, I think it's more fun than I expected, but it's also more relentless than I expected. Mm-hmm. And I have had days where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I have to do this all over again tomorrow and then the next day and then the next day and then the next mm-hmm. day. Um, just just that like you're always on and you're always needed. It's so it's it's challenged me, but I've also been enjoying it. Yeah, I remember even early on thinking and saying to friends that the good moments are so much better than I could have imagined, but the hard moments are definitely a lot harder. I feel exactly the same way for sure. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely been an interesting part, and I, and I don't think that's necessarily pandemic related. I mean, I th- I do think that there are some hard moments that have been because of the pandemic, but I think in general, it, it, for me at least, it's been just what parenthood has been like and and how I've adjusted. Yeah, I really relate to that, and I really mm-hmm. agree. I, I I like it more than I thought I would, and I'm also struggle with it more than I thought I would. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I I sometimes wonder if that's like something like maybe it's a freelancer thing I don't know but I struggle with it a lot um and and I don't know if you do but I find myself like wanting to work but also not being able to work as much as I want um and not not always wanting to work like sometimes I'm just like I just want to like hang out with my baby and then other times I'm like oh I wish the baby would nap better so that I could work a little more it's just like a mix of emotions a lot yeah I I feel like I'm still very much trying to figure out how like how to juggle the work and the mom stuff I mean I've Mm -hmm. had days where like I just have one small thing that I really want to do and Mm -hmm. then (laughs) the day is like ticking along and ticking along and then it's like you know five o'clock six o'clock and I'm like I still haven't done the thing and yeah it, it stresses me out and I had a big moment with my therapist that's try. Like I think for me, I I've been trying to do a lot while I take care of my daughter, and mm-hmm. she kind of tried to press the point that taking care of my daughter is doing a lot, and mm. which is so true. But mm-hmm. yet, I didn't really grant myself that sort of permission to. I don't know. I I, I still kind of feel sometimes like I should be working all the time and yet I should be like completely present for her all the time. And clearly those two things can't both happen. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, right now we have a part-time, my another like amazing confluence of events that my cousin just quit her job. She lives nearby. She's loves babies. So she has been our part-time nanny which has been oh, wow. enormously helpful and fantastic. Mm-hmm. But she's here about 18 hours a week. And that's definitely not enough time for me to work or do all the work that I need to do. It's t- time for me to do part of the work I need to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. So trying to figure out the rest and um, has definitely been an ongoing challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I, I can relate to pretty much everything you just said. It's just, it's, it's been a hard balance because I, I definitely have those moments too, where I'm just like, I should just be focusing and being present with the baby. And then other times where I'm like, I need to be super productive, but I, um, I love what you said about your therapist, about just reminding yourself that being with the baby and taking care of the baby is actually doing something. Cause I think it is um, not easy to forget that, but I think that, as working women and people who have always worked, um, at least in my case, like it's hard to remember that like taking care of another person is also work. Like I, for me, work is like me sitting at my computer, you know, like that's what it is, but it's, it's a, I've had to redefine, I guess, my definition of of productivity and, and work and all that. Right. And it doesn't have that same, like, um, I don't know. I feel like it probably hits some sort of dopamine or something, just like hitting a deadline or like something mm-hmm. that's finished. And 
I definitely it's rewarding taking care of a baby, but it doesn't have that same sort of uh, little spark of completion. It's never complete. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely feel that. Um, you know what you said a little bit earlier that, that there are days where you're like, Oh, I have to do this again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And then, yeah, I mean, there's, it's a never ending road, which is sometimes fun. And, and I mean, let's face it, sometimes it's a little boring and tedious and oh, monotonous. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's sometimes I, I'm like, I just want to send an email. Like, I just want to like send this one email and I'm going to feel great because I just sent this one email and it's definitely not the same with babies. Right. And of course that I feel like the more I just want to send that one email, the more Simone is going to just like have a <laughs> moment and be needy and like not allow me to send that email. It always yeah. to work out that way. I know. That's so true. Like the days that I know are my busiest are like the days that I'm like, yep, he's going to have like a blowout and he's not going to nap well. He's going to have like all the, all the crappy naps and just going to be awake <laughs> the whole time and I'm not going to be able to put him down. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, so, yeah. since you're, we're talking about your work already, um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you do and specifically your book. And you mentioned that you're also working on another book. Yes. So I um, write about food. The first mm-hmm. part of my career was working in restaurants and um, mostly, mostly as a, as a, eventually as a manager. Um, but I did some back of the house in front of the house and I've always loved food and I kind of loved um, being around that. And I still love restaurants. Um, but I realized that the hours and there were, it wasn't something that was sustainable for me. And I've also mm-hmm. always loved to write. And so I started to do some copywriting for food brand. Basically I got a job um, at Fairway Market, which is this New York city food store. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started behind the cheese counter, but it very clear, it very soon became clear that I could be very useful writing like all the signs about the cheese and the email newsletters. And I didn't really know that was a job and it was very well suited for me. So Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of um, copywriting for various food brands that is kind of the, the work that pays my rent. And then Mm -hmm. the work that I love um, is writing, writing essays and writing books. I wrote a memoir called feast true love in and out of the kitchen that Mm -hmm. came out in 2018. And that's about falling in love with food and working in restaurants and also about struggling with and recovering from an eating disorder. Oh, wow. And then um, I have a new book and this book, let's see, I sent the the first draft to my editor about four days before Simone was born. Um, And I just finished edits. It's Mm -hmm. called Plenty. And it's another memoir. And part of it is about finding my community of amazing food women. So some mm-hmm. of the chapters are about like an amazing cheesemaker, a sommelier, a chef. Um, and then it's also about my story of having a family and becoming a mom and having a miscarriage and that journey. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to hear about your miscarriage. I had one too, unfortunately. And um, that's tough. It was really, I think that was also like tougher than I could have expected. Yeah, definitely. So 
Wow. I mean, you turn in your book just before having the baby. How did that feel? It felt really good. One of the, um, the one of the cheese people, this cheese, amazing cheese lady that I visited, that was part of the book. Um, in she's in Vermont, and her name is Allison, and she founded a Vermont Creamery. And she was telling me she, her kids are like in their thirties now, but when mm-hmm. she um, she just she had a story that when she was really pregnant, like. 38 weeks or 39 weeks pregnant. Um, she was trying to get this machinery to work in her cheese factory that was basically going to replace her because she was making everything by hand and she couldn't get it to work. And she sort of was like delaying it. And basically the moment it started to work, the moment she like got someone to fix it, she went into labor and she, Oh my God. <laughs> and she's telling me, she's like, as soon as you finish the book, you can have the baby. So don't, don't delay it too much. <laughs> so I kind of had that in my mind that it was going to go down that way. And mm-hmm. it's funny that it did. I, I, I thought the ideal would be like, um, uh, you know, I, I would like to have had like a week, you know, to do a little bit more like meditation or, you know, mm-hmm. or something, but that's fine. I was, I was feeling pretty ready. So good timing. It's funny. I, I heard that a similar story about turning something in um, from, from one of the previous podcasts. And I wonder if there's just like something about your body, like relaxing once you've turned in this big project and then the baby's like, okay, like you're relaxed. I can come now. I can definitely see that. Yeah. So do you have edits on the book now or do you know when it's going to come out? Yeah. I just finished edits. I, not to complain, but I had sent in the book and then I waited for many months to get edits back. And mm. I did, they said, oh, can you send all these edits back in two weeks or something? So oh, gosh. it was like okay, <laughs> another scramble. And we actually spent a longer period of time in New Jersey so I could have some more help with the baby and focus on those mm. So yeah, those are now finished and we're on to copy edits and proofreading. And um, we just, I just got some drafts of a potential cover, which is really exciting and makes after just looking at this Microsoft word document for years, seeing like (laughs) a potential cover makes it feel real in a really Mm -hmm. really fun way. So um, yeah, it's it's coming out in, I think it will be August of 2021. Okay. Oh, that's really exciting. Um, so for people that want to, you know, follow your work, where can they find you? You can find my work and links to everything else at hannahoward.nyc. Mm-hmm. Hannah with the H. Awesome. Thanks. Um, so I don't want to take too much more of your time. Is there anything you want to add before I ask you kind of my like last question? Do you have any advice for new moms or is there anything that you're kind of still... Um, wanting to get off your chest about this whole experience? I think for me, I mean, maybe we've already sort of covered this or maybe not, but I, I think like the, the hardest part of all of this is both mom, new mom life and pandemic life has been isolation. Like it's just Mm. hard. I think everything is harder when you're alone and it can be so lonely and for me, just connecting with some other moms has been such a lifesaver, just mm-hmm. this like solidarity and just a reminder that like, uh, this is hard and 
you're doing it and we're in this not and even if it feels feels isolating and lonely that we're, we're we're not fundamentally alone like that's that's just what has saved me mm. what um how have you been able to connect with other moms my doula has uh, put together a little group of even though i didn't even get to work with her she's put together like a, a chat just like shared the information of all the new parents that she's worked with over this time. And we've had a little mm. WhatsApp chat group. So that's been really nice. Um, mm. I've made some, I kind of like any friend, any like friend of friend of friend or anything who's had a baby. I've just like really latched on to that. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, right. So people that like I otherwise maybe never would have met or never would have gotten close to have become people that I text check in with like most days. Um, mm-hmm. so I've just really like, uh, latched onto that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot of virtual connections the, these days, which, um, I have to say, even though I feel like I'm really missing, you know, seeing other moms in person, like I, I was really looking forward to like breastfeeding groups and new mom classes and that kind of thing. Like, even though I, like, I personally feel like I'm, I've really missed out on that. And, and that's definitely added to the isolation and loneliness of, new parenting and, and in the pandemic and everything, the, the ability to just connect with people online or on Instagram or, or via chats like that has actually been a, like a godsend in a way. Yeah, it's huge. And right. It's not a hundred percent, but it's still like a million times better than the not. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm grateful for those like texts or, or occasionally FaceTimes or anything just like, oh my gosh, the baby won't stop crying or whatever it is, or just like, yeah. or how's your day going? Anything. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I actually have a, a virtual mom mom's group hang like later today and I'm just like, I can't wait. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. Um, so I don't want to keep you too much longer, but my last question for everyone is what is keeping your sanity right now? And this can be, you know, it can be a person, it can be a routine, um, it could like, it could be a thing that you do, like really can be anything. So what's, uh, what's keeping you sane? Can I have a few, a few things? Oh yeah, of course. Okay. It's not just, it's definitely not just one. Okay. Number one on my list might be coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really leaning into my caffeine dependency, but re- that was one of the perks of being at home with my parents. My mm-hmm. parents joke that what has Say what has kept their marriage going for I guess now 41 years is that my dad makes coffee every morning and brings it to my mom in bed oh that's so sweet it's so sweet and I got in on this like early coffee delivery um so I miss that but it's okay for me to make my own coffee home (laughs) um and so that that's just like the morning thing that I'm I'm tired and and grumpy but at least I have a delicious cup of coffee Mm -hmm. um and then my you know my husband is I, I guess you don't know but my husband Tony is an incredible support and I just feel like his, I, I also can be a little bit like up and down and uh, very, I, I feel my feelings very strongly. And he is mm-hmm. a calming, centering, grounding presence. I'm just so grateful for that and for his energy and for, um, you know, getting to do this like with him. I am. Mm-hmm really 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 impressed and awed by single parents but it's been such a 
such a partnership. Um, and that's the other thing that's really keeping me sane. And then also all these like virtual mom connections that we talked about that has mm-hmm. been also really important to me. That's great. Well, thank you so much for this. This has been incredible. I love talking with you. I love talking with you too. Thank you. Thank you for making this podcast. It was so great to talk with Hannah. I absolutely loved talking with her and hearing her pandemic parenting story. I was especially touched by how she couldn't have a doula because that's something I could absolutely relate to. I mean, my husband and I hired a doula almost at the last minute in February, you know, like basically a month and a half before our baby was due. And then we found out just a few weeks later that we couldn't have our doula with us. And it was really heartbreaking. And I really felt heartbroken for Hannah to have experienced the same thing. But I do think it's really sweet that even though she couldn't have her doula with her, she was able to connect with other moms through the group chat that her doula set up. That's just really great. And I think it's a really important part of what's keeping her sane. And definitely I can tell you that staying connected with other moms, especially through this podcast right now, is how I'm keeping sane too. So if you want to hear more about Hannah, and I definitely do, you should follow her on Instagram at Hannah M. Howard and definitely pick up her book, Plenty, which comes out next year. And in the meantime, I will for sure be reading Feast, True Love, In and Out of the Kitchen. As always, remember, you're not alone. Tune in next week for another honest conversation about the challenges and joys of being a pandemic mama. In the meantime, feel free to email me with your pandemic parenting questions at pandemicmamapod at gmail.com. Plus, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at pandemicmamapod for more updates. Also, I would really appreciate your ratings and reviews. As a new podcast, this is one of the best ways to get the word out about these stories. So please scroll down in your favorite podcast app, rate us five stars, and share a comment. Thank you. Pandemic Mama is produced and hosted by me, Irina Gonzalez, with art by Chaotic Coco, music by FM underscore free music on SoundCloud, and editing by the best of husbands and best of men. I'll talk to you soon. Stay sane and stay safe.